Welcome to the Sippy Girls podcast. Sippy Girls is about the adventures of outdoor sorority sisters. Encouraging women in Mississippi to push their limits. Hey, welcome back to the Sippy Girls podcast. This is Ashley Jones, and I'm here with Ivana Williams, and this is episode four. Hey. All right. Well, we are just kind of jumping back into another episode. We're kind of trying to get a few in the bank for y'all, so I'm gone, and Ivana can keep on with a couple of episodes and special guests for y'all, but we wanted to just kind of continue a conversation that we had started because I know that I have a couple of questions, just being a mom and raising daughters and um, just really, I think that it would help a lot of women to just be able to have a well-rounded, you know, really opinion on how to carry themselves and what to do when they're in that type of situation where they're really uncomfortable or, you know, they're somewhere that they don't want to be. Once you get in that mindset of, not being happy or being uncomfortable, like what you can do to to switch that really or right. to do something positive that impacts you, you know, because sometimes decisions or things like that really affect your soul mm-hmm. and how you move forward. So just like in the last episode, we were uh, discussing, you know, me being shy and not very talkative and, you know, I had somebody approach me, just to reiterate what we did, talked about last episode. So I had somebody approach me when I was 15 and they were in their 40s and they were talking to me about my older brother because his son, you know, went, they both were in Boy Scouts together and stuff like that. And so he's talking to me for a while and then all of a sudden he's like, well, you know, we should get some dinner sometime. And I was like, why? So, you know, we can talk about my brother. And he's like, no, so we can talk about you and me. And I felt so uncomfortable, but again, I was shy and, and grew up growing up in the South. You're always like taught to be proper and polite at all times. And, and respectful. So, right. And so I saw this little lizard and I was like, oh, look at this lizard. And I went over there and looked at it and he obviously could see, oh no, I, I did something. I said something wrong. And I remember him telling me, he's like, um, just don't tell your dad. And normally I would not tell my dad, you know, just because I was, that was very awkward conversation to have with your father when you're 15 and already kind of timid in the first place. But I did tell my dad and my dad told my mom and they called um, a place called the courthouse. It was a racket and fitness place here in the Jackson area. And they found the guy uh, through camera system and through like every time you come in to the gym, you have to like show membership and stuff. And so they found out who it was and they banned him from the courthouse. So Luckily, I had a voice. I don't know where it came from. Um, but just like last episode, I was saying that, and that's where we kind of cut off, and we we're going to talk about it a little bit more on this episode. But um, I don't know how I built up enough courage to say something like that. But it just shows you that it can be done, even in the circumstances that you don't think it's possible. Like whenever if you don't think somebody's going to believe you or you don't think you're in a position to have any authority to say no in whatever aspect it is you do, you just have to build that courage. And that's something that's happened throughout my lifetime is that I have eventually built courage to face my fears and to stand up for myself, whatever circumstances came my way, whether it was something at home or, you know, through my career, it really has taught me that I do have a voice and to use it because it is powerful. And I just want to let you ladies know and you young girls know that you do have a voice and you can say no and use it. You know, don't be scared to say no. Don't feel like it's rude to say no. If you don't feel comfortable doing something or being in a situation, tell them no. Yeah. Avoid it. Yes. Um, it's not rude. It's okay no. to say no. You know, it's, uh, I, I was going to tell you about another situation that I had when I was, again, 15. It didn't happen to me, and I'm very surprised being that shy that something didn't happen to me. Um, I saw this, this guy, his 
uh, his daughter was on the softball team with us and it was um so it was one of our teammates fathers their father and uh he would practice with us on the softball field and all that and i always felt awkward and i guess that's something that i've had throughout life is that sense of um uh, like a feeling that something wasn't right, you know? And so I remember playing shortstop and, um, he would be in the outfield helping catch the balls or whatever. Right. But you know, whenever you're 13 to 15 years old and you're playing softball, you know, you'd like have your glove on your knee and all that. And so from a man's perspective, an older man, they sexualize, um, you know, somebody bending over and I don't know what all we could say on this podcast and stuff but um I felt like that's what he was doing he was watching us from behind and uh other than just him being creepy it's just he never really did anything else other than he did smack us on he would try to smack us on the butts with his glove like we were 13 to 15 somewhere in there and it was always odd nothing was ever said about it and then we got to a point where I we were at a softball game and I was sitting in a chair and I saw this other little girl, one of my teammates, was by him. And I remember him saying, well, why don't you just give me a kiss? And she never said no. And um, no, I mean, no, I know everybody says no means no. No is a complete sentence. It's done. You know, no. That's the end of it. Yes. And um, he ended up grabbing her face and giving her a kiss on the cheek. And she never said anything. And she told me, don't tell my parents. And again, I don't know what came over me because of how I was. I don't know how I got up enough nerves, but I ended up telling my dad and mom, and they told their parents, and we ended up having to go to the Pearl Police Department and filing, um, I guess, I don't even know what it was called back, uh, back then, just like a statement of what I saw. And um, I saw that he grabbed her and, you know, gave her a kiss on the cheek and all that. He actually ended up being banned from any sports complex so i'm very glad that for whatever reason god put me in that place to help her out because she was too shy to say anything and a lot of girls are like that you know my uh and i say the reason why i can't believe i wasn't ever something never happened to me before when i was small because now that I'm in law enforcement and I see how predators attack their victims or target their victims, they look for people who are not in the crowd, who are too shy to tell anybody else. They look for somebody who is insecure and they can manipulate and really groom them into whatever they want. And um, I just I thank God every day that nothing ever happened to me, but I know that it happens out there all the time. It really does. And it's because majority of the time, uh, us as women are taught to be nice. And same thing with a lot of uh, stuff's going around on the internet. You know, a lot of, some people agree with it. Some people don't, but they talk about how, um, you know, one parent might say, I'm not going to force my children to give anybody a hug or a kiss if they don't feel comfortable doing it. Well, me being in law enforcement, I absolutely agree a hundred percent. Yeah. If they don't feel comfortable, there's a reason behind it. Mm -hmm. Don't force that on them. I don't ever force my kids to be around people that they're not comfortable with. I just hope that... Like even family? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even family. That's good. Because yeah, One that's thing that I think with me growing up is I was never scared to tell my parents. I always had a close relationship with both of my parents. I think it was the fear of... For me, what my parents would do. For me, it was what my dad would do. Like, yeah. I mean, I was genuinely scared for somebody else's life if <laughs> if I would have told but, my yeah. dad anything. Um, well, that's not a bad thing, you know. I mean, not ultimately, it's not a bad thing until you don't have your dad anymore. Because now <laughs> it's kind of like that was always my sense of security. Yeah. Was always, well, if so-and-so, if anybody hurts me, even with my husband now, um, if anybody hurts me, I always will have my dad. Yeah. So um, I think not having that to fall back on is something that has given me almost a new confidence if I'm looking at things in a positive light the way yeah. that you do is to be a little more independent, well, a lot more independent. 
and a little more concerned with how I feel about myself. I'm a lot more self-aware of things that are going on in long-term aspects. Right. Instead of just, you know, just how this week's going to go with my kids or how it's going to go. Because there's a lot of pressure behind just being a mom in general. Just being a mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But trying to be a mom and a wife. So what are you, what are the struggles that you deal with? I think it wanting to be the best mom. I think that just always questioning every single decision. Mom guilt is so real. I'm out of town working a lot and I mean not a lot. It's short times throughout the year and in the grand scheme of things if you think of somebody working a 40-hour week for the entire year, you know, yeah. there's been an, I'm spending a lot more time with my kids, but yeah. there's still that voice in my head with, okay, well, you're gone and doing a gator season. Where are your kids while you're doing that? And I'm thankful to have an amazing support system. If not for that, I wouldn't be able to do it, but it's still a lot. It's a juggle. Just, I've never been a mom with a 15 year old, a 12 year old and an eight year old. Mm-hmm. You know, I've only been the 12 year old girl before. Right. And so it's always like, okay, how do I manage my children and also make them well-rounded, whether anybody else is in their life or not? It's a lot of pressure on just you as a mom because you want to play every role of anybody that's in their life. And, you know, I saw something a while back and it was on social media. It was uh, talking about how your kids don't realize and we didn't realize as we were growing up is that our parents... And us now that we're parents, they were growing up the same time we were growing up. Right. They were just growing up in a different lifetime, you know, like a different mm-hmm. area in their life. So they were growing as parents and as adults and as we were growing as children into young adults. And you don't realize that until you become a parent. So like your kids aren't going to realize that you are just trying to figure it out. You know, I have so much more grace towards my parents. Yes. And my childhood. I had a great childhood. Um, I, I feel like I did too. You know, it was, uh, we got to travel a lot. A lot of people in Pearl, Mississippi, they never had gone to New York, New Jersey. And, you know, oh, we never, didn't travel much. Oh. We camped. We went and well, stayed in tents. Well, I, my, my grandparents or my grandmother lived in New Jersey um, before she passed away. And so I, every summer would go at least to go see her. And we would stay with them for, for with her for a week. And then my grandparents that lived here, which was my mom's side, we would go to Florida to like Blue Angels Campground and we would stay there for a week or it was like four days. But we would have a family reunion down in Florida every year with all my aunts and uncles. And you have a big family? It, no, not really. Um, so it was my, my grandparents had three daughters. It was my aunt Celeste, my aunt Glenda, and then it was my mom. So she was the youngest. And, um, and then my aunt Celeste, she never had any kids. It was just her and my uncle John. And then my aunt Glenda, it was, uh, my uncle Barry, which by the way, loves you. He, he is the biggest fan. And, uh, hey, uncle Barry. <laughs> so he, it, them, and then my cousin Augusta and my cousin, uh, Will. So I would get to hang out with them, and Thanksgiving was amazing. Like, we would actually all get together for Thanksgiving as well, too. But um, that was here in Mississippi. But, um, and then us. So my, my mom, my dad, two older brothers, me, and then my younger brother. My younger sister's nine years younger than me, so she didn't really get a, as much time as doing the family reunions. Um, so there was, of course, like nine years that she didn't get to go to these different things. But still, she was there a lot. But, um... So that was the big crowd and we would have a reunion every year on Florida. So I did, I felt like I had a great childhood. I love my grandparents. They lived in Bay Springs, Mississippi. If anybody's listening. Um, I loved going out there and, you know, fishing out of their pond and going to hunt with a BB gun. I thought I was something. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I had a great childhood. It's just uh, later on in life you realize like how good you had it, you know, mm-hmm. now that you're an adult and you're having to like pay for all the bills and make sure the kids go to school on time. And you know, the worst part about being a child is that you had to get up and go to school. And, yeah. You know, 
Yeah, but you get those naps and the cheese grill. There's I did uh, coming home from school. My mom, she was a stay at home mom, so she would uh, make cheese grill or cookies whenever we got home, and it was pretty nice. So I, I had a great childhood. That sounds nice. Grilled <laughs> baked cookies when you got home. Uh, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it wasn't every day, but that's what I do remember. So it was. That's all that matters. Yeah. It was good times. I do remember like a cold day. And it would be raining and stuff like that. And I remember coming home off the bus. My mom had grilled cheese. And, like, that was the best because it just warmed you up and all that. So We'd get BLTs. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I'd be out riding my bike and I'd uh, go shoot turtles in the bee- in the creek behind my house with the BB gun. Yeah. And I'd, I was the um, president of the Tomboys Club. Oh. Well, you see, we would have been best friends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you never, you never lived in Pearl, though. You no. Where did you grow up? I, I grew up in Jackson. I grew up on the Pearl River. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy that we have grown uh, probably ten miles within each like a distance our whole lives, and we never met. You know, and who knows? We probably did at one point, and we just went different paths, and we and then we came back. That's we were prob- destined to meet. I though. know. That's what I'm saying. So, like, what? Imagine us being like. Eight year eight years old, and we saw each other at a gas station with our parents, and say we exchanged like a hey, and that was it. And then four or five years ago, when we met again, we both were like, Do "I know you from somewhere." You know, what did if, I ever tell you about the time I think I saw you at the Pearl McDonald's? I you I think you did, but yeah, you told on one of the podcasts, but yeah. Um. So I think life is crazy, and I think people meet up at a certain time on purpose, and things in life happen for a reason, you know. And getting back to the whole um, trying to be strong and, you know, independent on yourself, I just I don't want to go into too much detail, but, you know, changing from being shy and insecure to how I am today and I mean I still struggle with insecurity I think everybody does really and and shyness I mean honestly I would love to just be in the back of the room and if I don't have that uniform on it's kind of like my costume if I don't have it on I feel I go back to that shyness and where I don't want to really break out and start talking to someone if you come up to me I will talk to you all day long but I don't make the initial conversation and so I still struggle with being a little shy but um Growing up from like 17 until after I went through my last uh, police academy and um, I grew a lot, you know, I, there's a lot of things that happened in my life and in my personal uh, relationship that although I wish it would not have happened that way, I grew from there or grew from that experience and I learned that I can stand up for myself. And that's kind of what we want to talk about is that we want you ladies out there, whether you're young or older, and it doesn't matter. It's just what we're trying to reiterate to you or get across to you is that, and I know we have men out there that watches too. And I mean, a man can be in a bad situation as well. So it's not just, you know, a female male role, but um, if you're in a bad situation, you can get out. There are places to go that will help you and support you. And whether you're being physically abused or other um, issues are going on, you know, there's mental abuse and emotional abuse. And there's a lot more than just being physically punched, you know. And although I do um, hope that you can try to work things out. Um, because I think if, especially if you have children, all that, you know, try to do what's right in your household and your family situation. But at the same time, uh, if it is a divorce type situation, children are resilient. And I have learned that I have gone through a divorce and it is unfortunate, but I know that I was not happy. And, um, I'm not saying it wasn't all, you know, unpleasant, but it was, you know, ups and downs. And it finally got to a point where I had I stood up for myself and throughout my relationship, I stood up for myself as the years went on and I learned that I have a voice and especially through my police academy, I learned that it's very powerful 
And you guys out there, guys, gals, whatever it might be, you do have a voice. And I want you to use it. And if you ever need any advice or any help, then please reach out to either Ashley on her page or my personal page, Ivana Williams. Um, we will try anything we can to help you. And I know that this is a this is not our typical podcast. We normally are very uplifting and bright and happy and funny, you know. Well, it can but, be that majority of the time, but it was just something that was laid on our heart to discuss discuss because there's so many listeners out there that I'm sure are in a position of wondering if things that other people are saying that are close to them are true because when you get beat down a lot or talked to in a certain way and you just get used to it then you start to believe it at a certain point you know unless you start to stand up and little by little getting power back really in the grand scheme of things and at the end of the day makes you feel good and it's all about being the best version of you. Right. And really, that's all everybody's trying to do. We really are. Everybody's just trying to be the best version of themselves. And calculating decisions and things that you're going to do when you're a parent are so important because it doesn't just affect us anymore. Right. We're raising individuals that we need to be well-rounded individuals. It's our duty to raise them that way. And it's just, it's not... I think that we forget that we are just human and our jealousy comes in human form. You know, whether yeah. that's just being nasty to somebody else who's doing better than you or somebody that doesn't want to be with you anymore, whatever the case may be, because there's always going to be jealousy in the mix that causes some sort of negativity or causes somebody to act irrationally like they wouldn't normally do right? just out of jealousy. So. I'm really thankful that throughout situations and past relationships in my life that at the end of the day, me and my ex-husband, we're just going to, I'm just going to put it out there. I don't know why I'm trying to walk around this like I'm tiptoeing. Um, my ex-husband and I were together when we were very young. We did a lot of growing up together, but we had two children. We were children having children and had we let our jealousy affect how we raised our children. We wouldn't be sitting here today being able to say that we get along better than we've ever gotten along. We're best friends. Yeah. I hope that's nothing but the best for him. And it is very unusual. He works out of town a lot. And if we weren't able to have a decent relationship where we can communicate and care enough about each other to have a good relationship with our children, then we wouldn't be here today. Yeah. No, and, you know, I read something the other day. It was saying none of us get out of this alive. You know? <laughs> so true. So why are we competing with each other? Right. Like, you know, I, I don't compete with anyone. I hope everybody succeeds. And that's in business. That's in uh, life. That's with my career. It, you know, ultimately... No man can take what God has promised you. Right. So if I don't get that promotion or I don't get that sale versus this other business that gets that sale or this other guy gets that promotion, it wasn't meant for me. And so I always try to take the positive of every negative situation and learn from it. And I don't, you know, talking about relationship, past relationships and stuff like that. I'm not going to let anybody put me down um, or me spend any time thinking about them. I'm going to constantly, and we talked about this our first episode, I believe. It might have been the second one. But the more I take my eyes off the goal, the prize, then they win, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not worried about anybody else. And again, I'll reiterate that your haters are your biggest fans. Not because they want to see you succeed, but because they are there to see you fail. And so if you just keep pushing, you will succeed. And uh, that goes same thing with my business. You know, it would be so easy just to lock the doors and and be done. 
You know, I wouldn't have to worry about employees and, and drama at work. And am I going to get enough sales this week or this month? And how do I advertise? How do people see me when I advertise? Am I going to look like I'm looking for just attention, trying to get attention? You know? yeah, yeah. Just trying to get attention. Like all these things that go in my head and I just realize, you know what? They don't pay my bills. They don't. So me posting stuff on, on social media that's how every time I post something, I I gain a sale. It doesn't matter if it's a box of ammo, if it's a uh, driving class, if somebody decided, you know what, I want to be a part of Sippy Girls. It's something. Which, by the way, I hate to even, like, the reason why we collect membership is not because we're trying to be billionaires or anything. It's so we can provide and give back to other people. A lot of companies, like, yeah, they'll give a certain amount, but our main focus is to give back to people that don't have it. And I know that I was telling you that if you have any issues and you want to get out and you don't think you can and you need somewhere to go, there I do know places that you can go. However, that might be one of our avenues down the road is we we might end up having a shelter that you can go to. So who knows where Sippy Girls might lead, but we're always trying to stay positive and we're trying to do the right thing. And just like our producer, Danny, has said, if you are trying to stay, if you stay positive and you do it for the right reasons, then the right things will come. Yeah. So. And I, I just always try to think that if I don't get whatever opportunity, if I put myself out there and I try my best, I always just try to think that God just avoided me from something, something that was going to be so much worse. Like it may have been more money, but it may have cost me my peace. Like who knows what it could be. Right. You know, so even missed opportunities are still a blessing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, I don't know if we've talked about how we actually got on this podcast, but our producer, Danny, has been amazing. And uh, he's really been supportive of us and what we plan to do. And the reason we actually ended up knowing each other is I talked to another podcast uh, radio talk show host And I said, hey, would you be interested in sponsoring Sippy Girls podcast? He's like, well, no, I don't have time, but I do know a great guy. And uh, he has his own production company, and you should reach out to him. And Danny, you want to mention your production company real quick? I think he's going to be uncomfortable doing it, but I'm going to go ahead and speak for him for a second here. Um, If anybody is looking into getting into podcasting or needs the services that Danny offers, I cannot stress to you how enough, how much of an asset that he has been to yeah. this thing starting up. Yeah. Extremely motivational. I genuinely appreciate Just, every yeah, bit of yes. motivation he gives us. And that's the thing. He gives us the motivation. like And the best advice. Yes. I mean, he's been amazing. And I, so we've been talking about, you know, having that voice and being able to say no and being able to get away from that abusive situation. Before we started this episode, we had all talked about what was, what were we going to talk about? And, um, I thank you. And I thank Danny because I did get a little emotional. I started, um, crying, which I don't do that in front of people. Like I hate that. And uh, Ashley over here was like, hey, this is a safe zone. Same thing with Danny. He said the same thing. And I really felt that. I feel like these uh, uh, Danny guy and gal over here and Ashley, I mean, like, I thank you so much for allowing me to get that off my chest. So we've talked about it a lot in our group about just being there for each other. But you can there's a lot of words that can be said, but it really takes the actions. And I appreciate both of y'all. And I really appreciate just the sense of community, like especially with Sippy Girls and the group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just been it's been a great outlet for me with the girls. I, I mean, nobody loves nothing more. You know what I mean? To feel like a part of something. Right. You know, and everybody looks at me and is like, "Oh, you're on TV and this and that." It, I genuinely. I'm just still a real person, yeah. you know, and I love helping others and I love being a part of something too. And I love that the girls just, they really treat me like another person and it's just a good, 
group of people. I'm very yes. blessed to be surrounded by good people right now because I've really needed it. Um, I mean, it's been great as far as I've been getting to know some of the women that are members, and I hope that as it grows, we get more of that uh, friendship and family or- orienting, orientation, family oriented uh, for the Sippy Girls, and hopefully that we can do different uh, trips with one another, and it really becomes a family, you know. But uh, yeah, I've I've enjoyed that aspect because I didn't grow up with just a whole lot of like girlfriends, and this has been great to have like-minded women around. And um, but no, this the Sippy Girls. Anytime we can help somebody, we want to. And I know uh, Danny has is fallen in love with the cold plunge, and uh, so eventually all us members are going to do a cold plunge challenge. So. If you do want to be a member, that's another way. Another exciting thing that you can be a part of is the cold plunge. So, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. I don't know exactly when we're going to have it, but we we are going to do a cold plunge again. Uh, you and me, as long as as well as the other members, whoever can join us that day, uh, and we'll announce that later on whenever we find out when we're going to do it. But I know this is kind of. I feel like I don't want to say a downer episode but it's been very real episode and i kind of i kind of want to break it up just a little bit because i I don't know how long we've been on been on uh okay so i do want to break it up a little bit and kind of get on the brighter side just uh of life life can put you down enough i don't not you don't always want to hear on a podcast but we're, we're done with that part if you're if you're done with that part so no i'm done i just I think it's okay to talk about things like that sometimes. Well, you know how... I just don't want to end it there. Yeah. But you know how um, when we first started, we, we were talking about how we ha- both have a dark sense of humor? Yeah. And, like, we start making jokes whenever it's a bad situation. Oh, it's inappropriate. Yeah, so I was going to... Avoid that. Oh, I was going to tell you a joke. Oh, uh, let's hear it. Okay. Yes. And I'm bad at jokes, so you have to... I'm every this. bit prepared. Okay. All right. All right, it's going to be a dirty joke. Okay. Okay. Um, what is a horse that has rolled around in mud? I don't know. <laughs> it's a dirty horse, so it's a dirty joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh no. I know. I'm bad at jokes. Well, that's like that's like a dad joke. Oh yeah, I know. I'm, that's like a corny joke. My, that's what my dad was good at. My jokes are inappropriate, not in the dirty joke kind of way. Like they're not at the right time. Oh, do you have one? Well, I mean, it's just that when I use my sense of humor, I don't necessarily like tell a joke with a punchline. I'm always like, it's just in this bad situation, yeah. and I'm laughing. So, you know those, um, I, again, I don't know about how, if we should say this on a podcast, but um, you know, like on these crime shows, how the people will just be like eating a sandwich and stuff while like there's a dead person there. Mm-hmm. So, I might be on like a a scene or whatever at work, and um, then all of a sudden my supervisor's like, hey, uh, so you want to go get sp- spaghetti? Or, you know, and we just saw, like, their inners. Yeah. 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 That's what I do. Yeah. I do that, too. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah. I actually said, let's go get spaghetti. It wasn't, it wasn't a supervisor. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was funny because I make jokes in bad situations. I know. It's like the lightness of humor is going to save me. <laughs> like, it'll just... Completely ignore the fact that there's three inches of gator guts and blood on the bottom of the boat just for me to laugh it away. So what is something that, tell us a good story about you going gator hunting. Like it it doesn't have to be just gator hunting. It could be um, you hunting in general or being on the show Swamp People or something. Tell us something that nobody knows. Okay. Very secretive. Does it have to be a secret? No, it doesn't have to be a secret, but something that, like, you haven't aired on social media. 
should do that TikTok. Yeah. Um, okay. One time, me and Chad had gone out hunting. And he had actually had a guy's weekend. This was brothers. They always do like three or four days out at the camp. And it's our camper out at like 33 acres. Well, they were hunting it. And so I was like, I'm not going to interrupt their weekend or week. You know, they had some deer that they were trying to hunt. So a friend of ours said I could come hunt their property. Nobody had hunted it this year. It was a 150-acre parcel nobody had been on. It was beautiful. Yeah. Well, I went out there and I was walking around and it was hard to get back there too. So I knew that nobody else was going to be hunting like right there immediately, you know. So I went back and it goes up, borderlines up against a railroad track that runs through there. So I'd gotten all the way back to the railroad track and I ended up finding this huge block of like a 20 acre square block of scrapes everywhere. And what the deer will do is they'll come by and they'll scrape back part of the dirt with their hooves and then their antlers and everything they'll just clear out an area where they have like a little area where they scrape and the does will come in and pee there and they'll be able to tell if the doe is in estrus or not okay and so it's just something that they do in their rutting activity to let you know that there's a dominant buck around there so i set up a camera and i peed in the scrape (laughs) (laughs) did you really well i did and I set up a camera and got the biggest bucks pictures <laughs> I've ever gotten in my life. We have had a camera up out there and could not get a buck picture. Nobody wanted to hunt this place because yeah. nobody had hunted it, but nobody seen any good bucks. We had cameras out there. So everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we'll just push Ashley over there to this <laughs> nowhere anybody wants to go. So anyways, it's a massive buck. 22 inch inside spread it's got like right below his g2s he has a kicker hanging out the bottom of it and i could see that and i could tell that it was a mature buck and all i got was a side little picture of him but i did this at right at dark so it was back in january it had to have been about six o'clock maybe seven thirty seven i don't know anyways by midnight that night i had the pictures of the buck i went out the next morning and checked the cameras and realized that uh, there was a big buck. And so I sent the picture to Chad and his brothers, and I'm like, hey, look, I'm going to stay over here and hunt. Y'all stay over there. Well, the next day I get up, I left my climber at home. I left my binoculars, my thermocell little, it's not a thermocell to keep mosquitoes away. It's a hand warmer. Yeah. And I cannot stand to be cold. That's like my kryptonite. That's why that... That's why that cold plunge, I'm like, oh. Well, I like the fact that I could get up and warm up. Like, if if I can get up and warm up, then I'm good. But, uh, anyway, so my husband had told me, oh, and I left my phone at home. And so, but I was going to hunt this buck. Yeah. So. Did you you tell him about the buck? Like, what you saw? I, yeah, I told him. I showed him the pictures of the buck. So we went, he came with me the next morning. He left the boys at camp and was like, I'm going to come over there with you. Well, I left everything at home and I was putting him somewhere where the buck wasn't. You know, I was like, well, you need to stay way out here, you know. And he's like, okay, well, come back to my stand and meet me at 10 o'clock because we got to leave. I'm like, well, I don't have my phone. There's no, no way I'll know. It was cloudy. I wouldn't be able to even tell sun angle or anything. Yeah. Well, I came walking back to his stand, and I didn't have a clue at what time it was. And I can see him sitting up there, and I'm just walking, and I'm, like, just annoyed that he's even there, really, (laughs) honestly. Because I'm like, this is more people spooking out my deer. It's his fault I didn't kill this deer, you know, whatever. I get over there to him, and I'm he's climbing down. And so I grab his gun and go set it on the tree, and both of our guns are sitting on the tree beside me. And he's climbing down, and I'm telling him how excited I was because I had been sitting on the ground hunting all morning. Oh, well, let me tell you, I forgot everything. And I still went and sat by the railroad tracks. And I just sat on the ground beside a big old oak tree. And a little baby doe came up to me. And then a button buck came up to me and smelled the tip of my boot. And it scared me and him both. Like, you know, we both realized, like, we're not supposed to be here doing this. Yeah. And I was telling him how cool that was that I got to see this baby buck and, you know, how sweet. 
And as I'm talking to him, his eyes just get big. And I'm like, what? And he said, there's a buck behind you, like trying not to move his lips. Yeah. And I just hit the ground and army crawled over to his gun and I had to grab his gun was closest to us. And so I grab it and I just stood up and he's waiting to see if it, this is a big buck. But I saw that little kicker that came down behind that G2 on that other one. Yeah. And I'd seen it. That's the only thing I saw the picture of. And I saw it as soon as he turned his head and my husband said, wait for him to, and it, Boom! He was trying to say wait for him to get broadside, yeah. but I wasn't waiting on nothing. And I got my big buck. Well, good. That's pretty cool. I like that story. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't have a whole lot of those. I, I'm new to hunting. So I know that sounds crazy because, you know, last year we did the extravaganza. And I was not there for, like, any hunting expert. I was there for gun safety expert since I'm in law enforcement and I was talking about the say the reason to be safe with your guns and know how to use it and all that. And, uh, but I have gone on hunts before. And so I've, I've got to do some pretty cool things. They weren't, it wasn't my tag, but I did get to go to New Mexico and go elk hunting. I didn't get to shoot the elk or anything, but you know, it was, it was fun to even go and hear them bugle and, very interesting. Something that definitely do at least once in your lifetime. Even if you're not going for a hunt and you're just going out there. I like going and watching. It's very rare. I mean, I'd just rather go watch. I don't think I'll ever kill another deer in my life. Yeah. Unless it's a monster buck. There's no possible way I ever could. Well, I want to try. You know, oh, well, no, a, no, no. That's yeah. where I'm at. But I want deer meat. Yeah. Like, I need somebody to do it. Yeah. My heart just can't take it because I had a deer that grew fond of our family that I love yeah, so I she's, couldn't she's uh like will be on your couch like you're you know not a pet but she'll come in she's that deer's crazy you know we haven't seen her in probably eight months or so I'm imagining she must have she something must have happened during deer season yeah I don't know yeah so not that you asked but I do want to tell you a crazy story with working in law enforcement. Okay. I don't ever wait on me to ask you okay. for that. <laughs> so I actually, I tried to post something not too long ago on social media about it. And they were like, oh, that just probably isn't appropriate to post. But why not put it on a podcast? <laughs> why not? So what it was is I, I, there's a wreck. I, and then somebody actually ended up being, you know, DUI type thing situation. So anyway, I had to arrest this guy. He was um, for DUI. And I was patting him down. I always say something funny to try to lighten the mood again. Bad humor, right? And, you know, I should probably be very professional. but Not I, the you time. Know, you're probably not the time. So what I do when I, I pat somebody down, I'm like, is there anything that's going to bite me, stab me, poke me, whatever, right? And uh, they're like, well, no, nothing's going to bite you, but something might poke you if you whisper in my ear more. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But I kind of walked into that because, like, you know, I said, is there anything going to bite me? Some guys will, while they're patting somebody down, will be like, you don't have any, like, uh, uh, torpedoes or anything in here or uh, cannonballs or some, or some weird, like, whatever they can, or monkeys in your pockets. And they're like, what? what? No. It's just to try to lighten the mood, and that's something I learned while I was going through like a FTO phase. Whenever I used to work at Madison, my FTO used to do that, which FTO is field training officer. So he would he would say something like that, and um, that's where I kind of picked it up. So uh, anyway, can we was- just wrap up the whole thing with um, <laughs> the actual how much it comes in our good use to? easily distracted by something simple like yeah. that's a good quality now when people tell us that we're gonna be like no this is a good quality it saved us in a lot of situations yeah uh so it's just it was funny so what has it <laughs> what has it saved you in you know like well no i'm as- just saying like and this is me laughing and making light humor but i mean you used the situation with when you saw the lizard on the ground yeah. you know what i mean you were able to get out of that uncomfortable situation by just yeah using something so light to you know lighten the mood up a little bit to just get at cut the tension right i mean yeah you're true that's very true um and i do that all the time 
uh, I guess that's a good thing. Just like you said, it's, you know, and it really going back to like putting a positive thing from spinning negative into positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same situation. Like you, we, we're on something that's negative, but then we find the humor in it. And that's why we always are able to maintain that happy go lucky type personalities because we see that life is, yeah, I can bring you down and all that, but there's so much good in everything, you know, like, um, not, not funny, nothing funny here, but whenever I was at the Academy, that was the worst place ever. It was horrible. Yeah. Like it's like you're away from your family. It's like 24 seven of being told what to do. It's very militaristic in case anybody ever went to the military and it's just miserable. You know, you can never do anything right. You're always going to be wrong. And, uh, once you realize that it's all a game, you start seeing the game that they're playing and then it becomes funny. So a couple things I took positive out of the Academy is one, the place where the cat, the Molota, must be law enforcement officer training academies where I went to both academies. And, um, that place is torture, but at the same time, it actually is very beautiful because what we call the skid pad is where we do our um, training with our vehicles. And it is, it kind of is on the top of a hill and it overlooks a pond. And um, you see the sunset whenever you're out there at night. Yeah, you're getting smoked. You're getting, you know, doing push-ups and sit-ups and all that. But if you start looking at the sky while you're on your back doing what's called roaches, where you're on your back and you're doing this. You know, yeah. But no, that actually gives you time to like breathe, you know, so it's not that bad. But whenever you're doing that, I would, I would look around and see the sky and I would just be like, that is beautiful. Like God can make some beautiful paintings, you know, but that was something I took out of it that was positive. And then, uh, it, all the crazy stuff they, they made us do. Like, so the first day of my basic, which I'm, I'm class 238 in case any Melota dogs are out there. And um, I remember the first day we were in the locker room, which was called the um, the pharmacy. So we were in the locker room, and, you know, it wasn't actually called the pharmacy. They made that name up. But we were in there, and they said, get on your motorcycles. You got to go. You got to go save somebody. So get on your motorcycles. And so what they wanted us to do is, like, get down and have our hands like we were on a motorcycle, and we had to make motorcycle sounds. <laughs> So we were over here like vroom, vroom, <laughs> or whatever motorcycle sounds like. And then somebody was like, no, you're not trying to make a car sound. You're trying to make a motorcycle. So then I don't know how to make a motorcycle like, sound. So like I was having to figure out how to. And then the guy <laughs> beside me is like, it sounds like this. And he would make it. And then the other, the instructor would be like, you see, it sounds just like that. Make it like that. And I'm like, uh, oh my gosh, gosh I can did, like, that they just, messed with it me was, so bad. It was, it was, it was very bad. It was funny though, because I mean, like when you're in it, you're like, what have I got myself into? Right. You should have said, it sounds like all his pistons ain't firing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's a no, thing. But that's some of the stuff they would say. They would, they come up with something saying, oh, there must be something in your engine or whatever. And, you know, get outside. Your, your motorcycle's dead or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just funny. Some of the stuff was funny. And, um, that, that's what made me get through it is thinking of like, okay, this is just a game. They really, they don't really hate us. They're they're trying to train us, you know. So um, after the fact, after you get out of the academy, you really start looking back. And that's why when you get with somebody that was, went through your academy, you guys are like best friends, like brother and sister. And because you went through the same stuff and you have all these stories just like – Going back to the cold plunge, we have yeah. so, we have that camaraderie now that we experienced something together and yeah. we did it. And same thing with going through academy, whether it's police, military, fire, anything like that, you're going to have that camaraderie with the guys that you uh, completed it with. And that's why one day, not only was Sippy Girls uh, doing the cold plunge, but one day I want us to do more... Um, what is it called? Whenever a business goes somewhere, team building. Oh, team building yeah. exercises. Yeah. I would love to do that. I, I want to do more of that. I love trust exercises. That's uh, yeah. That's a little scary. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love the feeling of afterwards. We're gonna do some more of that. We need to do another cold plunge thing. We will. We definitely will. Because uh, it, it is one of those. You know, you're gonna rally together, and I know that 
Danny said he uh, went recently to a, um, what type of meeting was it? Like a AA meeting? Al-Anon. Okay. So he went with, uh, to do the cold plunge out there, and it was like a group of 30 men that they all rallied. Oh, no, no. That was uh, Harbor House. Okay, Harbor House. In uh, state-run uh, rehab. So he said he went out there and did the cold plunge, and all the men rallied with each other. He did a great story, and um, I really want to do that with the Sippy Girls. I would love to. Yeah. And, again, just like you said, not only that, but we'll do other events and other team building, you know. Even going hunting. It's even just good, like, good. like a personal, you know, like yeah. just, it really helped me. You know what I'm going to get again. you to do? Do you run? Mm-hmm. Well, I can't run anymore. I got bad knees. Okay. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> why do you want me to run? I'm not good at running it. I hate running. I hate running. I, I don't do. want to run. Well, I don't want to say I hate running because, um, after that last Academy going into my state agency, that I work for now, I did not run or work out for a year. And I hate to say that, but I did not because I couldn't stand the thought of running another foot, you know? And it actually was horrible for my body because after that year, I had lost like a whole bunch of muscle and stuff like that. And it's taken me years to gain that muscle back. And really like working out is probably better than running for you Mm -hmm. because um, it's going to help you like, a lot further in life and I'm no um, trainer, any type of physical guru or anything. So don't follow my lead, but it would be fun to do like a mud run, a 5k mud run. And I know Brown bottling is sponsoring one. I think it's in Hattiesburg and I think we should do it. When is it? I don't know. I have to look at it, but (laughs) I'll do it. We should do it because that's one of those things that we could do and it would build a teamwork. I could be like, you know, cheering you on, going through all the challenges, all the obstacles and helping you along the way. And you help me. And, you know, I think it would be fun. I think we really need to do something like that. I'd love to do it. Well, that's that's another thing on our list to do. But I know it's been, you know, 50 or so minutes and we are almost done. And I know that we will have all we have all the stuff tagged in this podcast. But if you want to listen to the full podcast again or send it to somebody, you just go to sippygirls.org slash podcast and you'll be able to listen to the full episode. And then also please follow, like, share all our pages because every new follower is a possible new person that we can help. So, um, Ivana Williams or Ivana Williams Armory is a page. Sippy Girls, Ashley Jones, all of them. <laughs> um, and anything else that you guys think of a, that you want us to talk about, please send us a message and we'll try to talk about that next time. So, thank you. Yep. Thank you all for tuning in.